promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 67. May God be merciful to us and bless us. May the light of God's face shine upon us. Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide all the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has brought forth its increase. God, our own God, has blessed us. May God give us blessing, and may all the ends of the earth stand in awe. Amen. Our reading comes from Ezekiel chapter 10. Then I looked, and behold, on the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, there appeared above them something like a sapphire, an appearance like a throne. And he said to the man clothed in linen, Go in among the whirling wheels underneath the cherubim. Fill your hands with burning coals from between the cherubim and scatter them over the city. And he went in before my eyes. Now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the house when the man went in, and a cloud filled the inner court. And the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub to the threshold of the house, and the house was filled with the cloud, and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of the Lord. And the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court, like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks. And when he commanded the man clothed in linen, Take fire from between the whirling wheels, from between the cherubim. He went in and stood beside a wheel. And a cherub stretched out his hand from between the cherubim to the fire that was between the cherubim. And he took some of it and put it into the hands of the man clothed in linen who took it and went out. The cherubim appeared to have the form of a human hand under their wings. And I looked and behold, there were four wheels beside the cherubim, one beside each cherub. And the appearance of the wheels was like sparkling barrel. And as for their appearance, the four had the same likeness as if a wheel were within a wheel. When they went, they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went, but in whatever direction the front wheel faced, the others followed without turning as they went. And their whole body, their rims and their spokes, their wings and the wheels were full of eyes all around, the wheels that the four of them had. As for the wheels, they were called in my hearing the whirling wheels. And every one had four faces. The first face was the face of the cherub, and the second face was a human face, and the third face of a lion, and the fourth the face of an eagle. And the cherubim mounted up. These were the living creatures that I saw by the Kiber Canal. And when the cherubim went, the wheels went beside them. And when the cherubim lifted up their wings to mount up from the earth, the wheels did not turn from beside them. When they stood still, these stood still. When they mounted up, these mounted up with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in them. Then the glory of the Lord went out from the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubim. And the cherubim lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth before my eyes as they went out with the wheels beside them. And they stood at the entrance of the east gate to the house of the Lord, and the glory of the God of Israel was over them. 
These were the living creatures that I saw underneath the God of Israel by the Kibar Canal. And I knew that they were cherubim. Each had four faces, each four wings, and underneath their wings the likeness of human hands. And as for the likeness of their faces, they were the same faces whose appearance I had seen by the Kiber Canal. Each one of them went straight ahead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I know it's a long reading because it's the entire chapter, chapter 10, but we're not going to be spending too much time in this chapter. There's only a few things to pay attention to with it in part because it's a rehashing of what happened in chapter one. Uh, here, um, there, there is this, this interesting connection. We'll take a look at that a, a little bit. But it, it begins with I, that he looks and behold on the expanse, this, this space, this area that was over the heads of the cherubim, there appeared above them something like a sapphire in appearance like a throne. We've, we've heard that before, right? Back in, in chapter 1, uh, in verse 22 and 20 and 26, over the heads of the living creatures, there was the likeness of an expanse shining like awe-inspiring crystal spread out above their heads uh, and above the expanse over their heads was the likeness of a throne and appearance like sapphire and seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance here here it's 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 a continuation of of this revelation of god's glory that he sees at the kiber canal when he's in babylon right to basically say that god's presence was there with them in the exile that, that God was going to be there with them in the exile. And it's pr- this presence is the glory of God that was there at the temple. That's, that's the, the connection we want to see here is that the, the notion that somehow the temple was a box that kept the Lord in it is, is what God is trying to break people of. Because the people who were not sent into exile, in a way, uh, became rather prideful because they got to stay in Jerusalem and they assumed that they were the blessed ones and the ones sent into exile were the cursed ones. And yet that wasn't the case, that, that the, the cursed ones were actually, we'll see here, are going to be the ones that, that get left behind, that, that it is that, that the ones taken into exile are the ones who are blessed. They're the remnant that's being, that's being held fast by God, placed in, inside his coat as it, as it could be. Um, Verse two, he gives a, a job to our high priest. Remember from, from last time, we had this high priest, this scribe with the riding bag, the, the, the fanny pack, <laughs> the, the scribe's fanny pack that he had. Um, and, and he gets given an, another job. And what is this job? Go in among the whirling wheels underneath the cherubim. Fill your hands with burning coals from between the cherubim and scatter them over the city. Burning coals. Where'd those burning coals come from? Number one. And number two, why is this guy having to go in there and do that? Well, we go back to chapter one again. And verse 13. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright and out of the fire went forth lightning. That it is that he's going in there to grab these burning coals. What is he grabbing? But in a way, a, a portion of the living creatures, which is, which is an interesting way to read this in, in part 
uh, as as we move along here, we'll, we'll take a look at it a little bit more, and, and we'll see if my interpretation fits with the rest of the book. I, I don't know; it, it might, it might not. But you know, hold on to your hats. We'll see what happens. And so this this uh, and he says, and he went in before my eyes, and then we get this whole description of the cherubim again, right? Now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the house or the south side of the temple when the man went in, and a cloud filled the inner court, and the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub to the threshold of the house, and the house was filled with the cloud, and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of the Lord, and the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks. Uh, it's interesting here that, that we're, we're given this uh, picture of the cloud, right? The, the glory of the Lord coming in this cloud and filling the space, right? Filling uh, this, this sanctified space, this, the temple and the court and all these things. But this is not something that is, is new. It's not something that has not happened already before in scripture. Because if we turn, uh, if we, if we turn uh, to two different places in the scriptures, the first is Exodus. We'll go to Exodus chapter 40. If you've got your phones out, that'll be an easy scroll. If you've got your Bibles, you just need to turn over uh, to the second book in the Old Testament. And um, Exodus chapter 40, the tabernacle is finally being built. It's the very end of Exodus. And and the last few verses uh, tell a similar picture. Uh, And it gets done. It says uh, in, in verse 33, so Moses finished the work. Verse 34, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. That is the cloud that was uh, guiding the Israelites out of Egypt. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle throughout all their journeys. Whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. That's a that's an interesting one, right? Because here it's it's saying that you know first we get a similar picture, right? A, the cloud filling the tabernacle. But then we're going to get another interesting picture, especially as we continue to read here in Ezekiel in, in the next couple of chapters, because it says here in Exodus that when the cloud lifted up, the people set out, that they knew that it was time to, to continue moving. Well, pretty soon, I, I don't want to speak, you know, I don't want to give away the ending, <laughs> but pretty soon that cloud that's filling the temple right now is going to lift up and people are going to be sent out. There's going to be another exile coming. There's going to be another destruction coming. There's going to be, there's going to be another wandering in the wilderness, going out into the wilderness and waiting to enter into the promised land again. That there's a connection between what is happening here in Ezekiel chapter 10 and what happened when the tabernacle was built and the people were in, in uh, the wanderings in the wilderness. There's a connection between the two because now this is a, a new exodus for them. They're being taken out though. Uh, they're, they're being taken away from what was promised to them and given to them. And we get the same symbolism of it with the glory of the Lord filling the space 
with this cloud that soon is going to dissipate, that is going to go away. The other place that we go uh, to look is in Second Chronicles chapter 5. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 5. This uh, Chronicles is uh, near the end of the historical section in the Old Testament. And if you, if you get to the Psalms, you've gone too far. But chapter 5 is where uh, Solomon has finished building the temple. And, and Chronicles is basically, uh, from what I understand anyways, what I, from what I can remember, was written uh, more than likely during the time that Israel was in exile or even post-exile, uh, written during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah after the Jews have been allowed to come back into, uh, into Palestine. But here in, in chapter in chapter five of um, of Second Chronicles verses thirteen and fourteen, and it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison and praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and their musical instruments and praise to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Again, this picture of the cloud, right? This, this picture of, um, of, of God filling the space, approving of what it is that, that has been done, this, this symbol of the presence of God. But what is Ezekiel talking about here? He's talking similarly about, it's sort of like this one last time that God is going to do what he has always done, filling up the space, bringing his glory in to, to one more time manifest himself, his glory in the midst of his people for one more time before it's going to be lifted up and it's going to depart. And so that is, that is what we're seeing here in, in the temple. And we're seeing it here with the, with the cherubim. I also like the fact that, again, uh, we hear this, this uh, talk of, of the wings of the cherubim being like the voice of the, of the Almighty, this, this shouting voice as, as though they're going to be moving and God's voice is going to be moving with them, that, that God's voice goes out with his glory and it's connected to its glory. And so as God speaks to us through his word, through his preachers, through wherever we are located here for the Israelites in exile, their God's presence is going to be with them. As, as, uh, as you hear this, this voice speaking to you in his word, you then have uh, the glory of, of, of God being present with you. Then verse six, chapter 10 of Ezekiel. We're back to Ezekiel, by the way. And when he commanded the man clothed in linen, take fire from between the whirling wheels from between the cherubim, he went in and stood beside a wheel and a cherub stretched out his hand from between the cherubim to the fire that was between the cherubim and took some of it and put it into the hands of the man clothed in linen who took it and went out. The cherubim appeared to have the form of a human hand under their, under the, their wings. It's interesting here that he's commanded, go and take fire, right? But what ends up happening, God actually gives it to him, that he, that he doesn't take from it. God gives of himself to this man with this, this job, this command that he's given to do. And I was reading in one of the commentaries that uh, the, the Talmud, the, the sort of the, the commentaries that, that we have from the rabbis, uh, especially during the exile and post-exile times, um, 
that the sense is, is that the reason why the cherubim took the coals and handed it to the man was so that the coals cooled some in their hand before they gave it to him in order to preserve the remnant of Israel, that there would not be uh, this complete destruction of the city and the people, but that the coals would cool a little bit. And I like that interpretation a little bit, but I also like to think of the reason why this man is being given the coals in a way is a purification work. God doing a purifying, God doing a repenting of his people, God doing uh, the work that's needed to make his people his own. And and you think of that in Isaiah chapter six, right? Where Isaiah gets his call from God and he says, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and I've seen the glory of God. And and Cherub goes to the altar and takes takes off a a coal with tongs and brings it and touches his lips and says, now your lips are pure. Your, your lips have been cleansed. Your sin has been forgiven you. That there's the sense that in the, these coals in the hands of this high priest figure that we talked about last week is going to come a purification, a forgiveness, a mercy in that. And, and, and there's, there's a connection there to be seen. And, and I'm going to try and flesh that out a little bit as, as we move along here. Um, to see see how that thread can work of this Jesus Christ being this one that wrote the Tav on people's foreheads last week and this week now is being handed these coals to do this purification, this cleansing, this forgiving, this preparing his people for for what is to is to come. Then the next few verses is again just a rehashing of chapter one where he, he talks about the four wheels of the cherubim and, and that they're sparkling like barrel. That's verses 15 and 16 of chapter one. Now as for their appearance, the four had the same like, likeness as if a wheel were within a wheel. You can remember that. You can recall that. Go back and look. That's verse 16 again. And they went in any of their four directions without turning. That's verse 17 of chapter one. And their whole body uh, or, or flesh, as the word is in the Hebrew of these wheels, uh, their rims, their spokes, their wings, uh, they were all full of eyes. That's verse 18 of chapter one, uh, that they're, uh, they can see all things. They're all seeing that nothing is going to surprise them. Um, and then and then we have, uh, after that, we have the four faces. First face was the face of the cherub. The second face was a human face. And the third face of a lion. And the fourth face of an eagle. And, and that's, that's an interesting, uh, interesting picture in part uh, because it changes just a little bit. Because in chapter one, we're told for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. And then the face of a lion. Okay, we've got that. But then we have the face of an ox and the face of an eagle, as though there is something that has changed a little bit. And the only thing I can think of is God transforming his, his cherubim just a little bit so that, so that Ezekiel knows for certain that they are, uh, they are these, these cherubim, these heavenly beings that are attending to God. Uh, that's the only re- thing I can think of of why there is that that possible change that the ox is taken off of there. Um, uh, most of the commentaries I read didn't really have much to be able to say. A lot of it was surmising, and I don't like surmising. I, I, I wanted 
necessarily think that it's God bringing back the curtain just a little bit more so that Ezekiel sees a little bit more um, because having the human face and the lion face and the eagle face and the ox face, these are faces that that uh, Ezekiel can distinguish. But then when you start talking about cherubim faces, that can change things because cherubim should be terrifying. They are terrifying. We, we want to think of uh, angels as precious moments or, or something like that. But when you read about them in the scriptures, they have to say, do not be afraid. Why? Because they're rather fearful things. And then verse 15, uh, and the cherubim mounted up. These were the living creatures that I saw by the Kibar Canal. And when the cherubim went, the wheels went beside them. When they lifted up their wings to mount up from the earth, the wheels did not turn from beside them. That's verse 21 of chapter 1. When they stood still, they these stood still. When they mounted up, these mounted up with them. For the spirit of the living creatures was in them. That's verse 21 again uh, from chapter 1. And... Then we have the glory of the Lord goes up from the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubim as though as though the glory of the Lord had had taken a had come down from the throne for just a second for for a mere moments to do this this filling of the space and now he's he's gotten back into his chariot uh, back onto his throne and they lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth before my eyes as they went out and the wheels beside them and they stood at the entrance of the east gate of the house of the Lord and the glory of God of Israel was over them. There, there's some symbolism there uh, that, that we have the glory of the Lord slowly departing from Israel, just like uh, the the failings of Jerusalem, the failings of Judah were not an all in once thing like it was in Israel, where it was basically as soon as the country, the uh, nation divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom of, under Jeroboam and Rehoboam, respectively, Jeroboam kind of just went, okay, we're going to create these, you know, Baal, we're, we're basically going to create Baal worship. I'm going to give you these two calves to worship in Bethel and Dan, and you, you go at it. Um, whereas here in Judah, it was the slow uh, trickle of apostasy, of idolatry, of, of, of sinfulness continually growing within Judah. Um, and, and here we have the glory of the Lord slowly moving away, uh, moving towards the east gate of the house of the Lord as though getting ready to head off into the exile with the people. And it says, these were the living creatures that I saw underneath the God of Israel by the Kiber Canal. And I knew that they were cherubim. Each had four faces and each four wings and underneath their wings, the likeness of human hands. And as for the likeness of their faces, they were the same faces whose appearance I had seen by the Kibar Canal. Makes you wonder if the cherub face looked more like an ox. That would be a little terrifying. Do your angels look like cows? I don't know. Each one of them went straight forward. And that's that purposefulness again, right? Well, it's, it's interesting to see this, uh, this rehashing of this as though it's this retelling of the story, or a reminder for, for Ezekiel what he's gotten himself into. And, and here we have this, this preparation for us of the glory of the Lord finally departing, the, the, the glory of the Lord uh, about to completely uh, get the heck out of Dodge. Um, next week, we'll take a look at... Uh, basically the final sort of um one of one of the the more uh, stringent parables uh, that that comes dealing with the city 
and then in a couple of weeks we'll we'll get into one of my favorite my favorite parables there in chapter 11 we're going to take a couple of weeks in chapter 11 to to look at a, those, those two things and then um and then we have some more uh, some some more acting out by Ezekiel coming after that but i pray that these these times in the scriptures have been have been plentiful for you that they've been fruitful that you've enjoyed this time going through one of my favorite books. We're going to be continuing to go through this. We're going to be in it for a while, so buckle up. <laughs> it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting ride uh, for us as we continue to work our way through this. Um, I'm going to be interested in, in uh, what it's going to be like uh, going through the, the portions in, w- in which we we talk about the temple, the new temple that is being uh, built. Um, that's going to be built. Uh, but, uh, I, I hope that you continue to share these with others, uh, continue to share them. We are seeing a continuous growth in, in listenership. We've got someone's listening in Sarasota, Florida right now and listening to every single podcast multiple times. I think, um, I have one of my episodes, one of my sermons from a couple of years ago, apparently is just blown up. It's been downloaded 800 times or something, 900 times, a gigantic amount. Uh, plus, uh, we we had a, a listener in, in Brazil, and we've got a new listener in, in Finland, I think, and in England and, and elsewhere. Welcome to you. Continue to spread these out, share them with others, and uh, use it as a time to really hear of the mercy and grace of God, because that's what we are here for. That's what we're all about. Now let us pray. Lord God, with endless mercy, you receive the prayers of all who call upon you. By your Spirit, show us the things we ought to do and give us the grace and power to do them. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. We'll go in peace, church. Serve the Lord. We'll see you next time. Thank you.